Hello, this is your host, Claudia Shambaugh, welcoming you to this extra October 30, 2018 podcast of Ask a Leader. My guest is Irvine City Council candidate Farah Khan. She is the co-founder of First Drops, an interfaith organization for parents of young children, and is executive director for nonprofit Newport Mesa Irvine Interfaith Council. Earlier appointments include PTA president at her son's elementary school, the PTA board of the middle school on the school site council at the high school, and as a legacy partner with the Irvine Public School Foundation, the Irvine Global Village Festival, the Community Services Commission, and the local emergency response team, some call it CERT, with the Irvine Police Department. As a regulatory affairs manager in her early professional life, Farrah conducted regular FDA audits while at Northview Pacific Labs and was a senior supervisor at Turon Corp. Afterwards, she joined her husband with his catering business. Farrah completed her Bachelor's of Arts in English Literature at UC Davis, and she received the 2015 Community Service Leader Award from the OC Human Relations Commission. Her endorsements include, but I won't list them all in the interest of time, they include the National Women's Political Caucus, Women in Leadership, Orange County League of Conservation Voters, Sierra Club, Orange County Professional Firefighters, Democratic Party of OC, Progressive Change Campaign Committee of Orange County, Orange County Young Democrats, Women for American Values and Ethics, the Korean American Democratic Committee, Move On, Orange County Federation, and several more. She joins me in studio. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Farrakhan. Thank you, Claudia. It's a pleasure to be here today. Well, let's begin with what I'm asking everybody. It's for many years, the, the Irvine has established and been known for its unique and visionary institution building. What stands out to you as something worthy of building upon? Wow, that's a good question. Well, I would say in the past few years, we're really looking for that vision and are lacking that vision right now. Uh, What Irvine could be is a possibility that's infinite. We have the opportunity to be innovative in not only our development, but in maintaining and sustaining our quality of life economically and environmentally. We need leadership that is going to produce some sort of results, and I don't see that happening in the last few years. So what would you do? Were you serving on the city council? What is your vision for institutionalize something new or adding on? I think one of the first things I would like to do is bring transparency to our city council. It's making sure that we have open communication with the residents here and and really provide them with an idea of where we're headed. We have a master planned community. Do we have an end in sight? Is there a goal that we're trying to achieve? And what is that goal? And that goal needs to be Um, a goal that determines how big we're going to be, where we're going to develop, how we're going to develop, what we're looking at, and with the uh, community's involvement. So, I don't know about you. You're a resident, too. I I still have a landline. Do you still have a landline? Actually, I don't. So, then, see, the landline gets us all the surveys. We find out from the federal uh, campaigns to the the municipal Mm -hmm. ones. I'm taking every single one of them. And so, the push questions for the municipal candidates are only about transportation and or traffic. So how would you address decisions that 
you as a council member would make, mm-hmm. you the directions you'd give, your marching orders to your planning commission appointment, to addressing a smart development and incentives for net zero transportation choices. Okay, so for when it comes to transportation, we've been hearing this from candidates for the past six years. Every two cycles, it's always, I'm going to fix transportation, I've got a plan, I know the answers. And the truth is, no one knows the answers. We had a study that we paid for, um, a traffic study, and we have the results of that traffic study that gives us goals that we should be attaining to reduce some of our traffic congestion. Um, We recently hired a traffic engineer. However, what type of work is being done is really not um, transparent to the community. Are we increasing public transportation, which was one of the goals? I don't see that happening. Not only do I not see that happening, we've lost our seat at the table with the Orange County Transportation Authority. Are we in what way? Um, basically, what happens is many um, there's a rotation, but we usually have a seat at the table on the board of the Orange County Transportation Authority. The council, a member of the, a council, member of the council, serves council. on the yes, the, yes, the and executive what, board. What that position entails is you can then work with the Transportation Authority and. Which Basically, Jeff Lalloway previously did, previously but, but there's was. nobody in Irvine there's now? nobody on Ir- How in did Irvine that happen? There. I have no idea what happened behind the scenes, but we don't have that seat. So how are we supposed to work with them? How are we supposed to get the grants we need to get that public transportation component moving? So the the traffic czar isn't in, uh, making sure we're not being represented on the, the OCTA board? That That is right. There's some... Wow. Well, that's... You learn more things. Yes. Asking questions. So so let's let you mm-hmm. continue with sure. the seat at the table. So that's one table. It's kind of a rather large table. board it is. room but table. But then, you know, when it comes to commissioners and appointing commissioners, one of the things that I find very lacking is that um, we appoint people that we like. We don't appoint people that have the education or experience to do the job. So if I'm looking at a planning commissioner, I'm going to reach out to people and say, show me who has that experience or education in planning, in um, traffic, in community services, in finance. Those are the people we need sitting on those commissions. So they actually have the know about of what to do when, you know, decisions or developments or plans come to them. That is very important, and that's key in moving forward. Because right now, I don't think the majority of people on the planning commission have any sort of planning degree. And we just had an opportunity to talk with one of the candidates. And, and urban planning can really, it, when you have an urban planning background, the, the details get pretty rich, pretty specific, pretty exactly, fast. Exactly, exactly. Well, several weeks on the show, actually it's now it's been a month, I interviewed an immigration attorney about SB 54, an yes. item that our current mayor, that. Wagner, has twice placed on the city council agenda. Then one of the members of the council uh, has dug in with her opposition to the the measure that Mayor Wagner put on the agenda and withdrew. He postponed it. It could return for, for, we don't, for whatever reason. So let's say, Farah Khan, you're serving on the city council. How would you handle that measure? First of all, um, it's unfortunate that that was even brought forth um, because we are looking at a city with almost 50% immigrant community. We are looking at a city that has been safe throughout the many years that we've been here. We are looking at a city that has community policing, one of the best ways of policing in a city. What the mayor is asking us to do is to basically um, enable our local police officers to become immigrant Um, enforcers and that's not their job 
And so one of the first things that um, I think I would have done is really have a sit down with the mayor and say, why are you even putting this on the agenda? It's offensive. And that's why I was there at the first meeting and spoke up. I was there at the second meeting when they canceled the meeting. Um, and I would be there again and again to stand up for our community. So let's let's talk about back back to some of the planning issues. Mm-hmm. So the well, we talked about the the um, the traffic. There's the housing market. Right. It's hot. It's really hot here where the Irvine City has uh, the vaunted public school system. The uh, the jobs rich ratio of jobs to residents. The the all the amenities that a University of California campus. So all these things are in. This is a structural thing, right? He, helping heat up an already hot market. So, what would you do to address that large swath at this point of affordable housing availability in the city of Irvine? Right. So one of the first things, and I think one of the maybe the easiest things would be to review the ordinance, the inclusionary zoning um, ordinance, where we require developers to provide 15% affordable housing. Now, one of the loopholes in that is it's three-tiered. So you have the high, you have the intermediate, and then you have the low income. And um, the developers sometimes get to choose which ones they want to provide. And the intermediate and high um, levels really are not affordable. And so we need to revise that ordinance and maybe bump it up to 20%, maybe keep it at a level where it really is for affordable housing. Maybe we need to make sure that as we're developing newer projects, we're looking into what can be done in our city to assure that the people that are working here are actually able to live here. That's going to be another component with our traffic issue. We have a lot of commuters that commute to Irvine because they can't afford to live here. So I've I've seen you campaign in previous cycles, and it's an interesting, uh, what's not been clear to me in the past, and I give you a chance to be very, very clear, what kind of leadership you would bring to bear on the city council were a development order before you. There's your opportunity. There's, it's now, we're past the ordinance that might be institutionalized were you to, ha- you know, have your way and, and support on the council, but you have a development order before you, and maybe there is a a, a, a wish f- on the developer side to perhaps c- have special considerations, special permits, special conditions. So how do you instruct your planning commissioner, and what would you do to lock uh, I mean mm-hmm. to to get to your goal? Sure. So I'll give you an example. When I served on the community services commission, a developer came forth and wanted to, Um, add in maybe one or two units of affordable housing at the intermediate level in lieu of paying the required park fees. And this was in the IBC, the Irvine Business Complex. Now what that meant was, so when the time came for us to build a park in the IBC, we would not have the funds necessary to buy the land and, and develop a park. I was the only person on that commission that voted no. So this is 2014 leadership is, and composition exactly, of the council. Okay. Exactly. And so that's the type of leadership I'm looking for is someone that's going to say, you know what, we need to stop with the loopholes and really do things that are mandated in our city. That actually created the master plan community that we have come to love and what people um, desire to be in. For those of you who've just joined us, my guest in this special podcast is 
Farrah Khan, Irvine City Council candidate, co-founder of First Drops, and executive director for the nonprofit Newport Mesa Irvine Interfaith Council. There are two open seats on the midterm election ballot next Tuesday, and she is running for one of those, along with 12 total candidates. So did you have anything in addition to bring up about this dance, this really, sure. so this now, like high-end dance. Okay, so now when we're talking about affordable housing, we also have to talk about the Irvine Community Land Trust, right? That okay. is a that is a big component of affordable housing, and what I'm seeing right now is very disturbing. I'm what I'm seeing right now are meetings that are closed door. I'm seeing that um, money is being spent on marketing, um, and when you look at what's happening with affordable housing, we have affordable housing units with wait lists of 800 to 1,500 people. We really don't need to spend $5.3 million on marketing. And so one of my main goals is to find out really what is happening behind the scenes with that land trust. That land, that money is coming from the city. It's dedicated for affordable housing. It's dedicated for people that need it, and we should not be wasting that amount. As you're familiar with that uh, developing, is that something you have had an opportunity to bring before in that it, either the special comment period or something before city council? You know, I couldn't make it to the last meeting. I know they had a sunshine ordinance in place um, that they were discussing, mm-hmm. um, but I was not able to make it at that meeting. And But I do know a few people that were there, and I'm getting information from them. Okay. And that was the last meeting? Was the that, last. That was last yes. week? Because I know it's two, two Tuesdays every yes. month, but, you know, I, I can't. I know. Okay. So... Okay. Well, and you know, it's there's a phenomenally successful affordable housing project known as University Hills, and it, I think a whole neighborhood would not have its cost, its its standard of living, were it not for that sizable increment of housing expenditure that there we're all saved by this affordable housing via. Uh, thanks to the University of California Board of Regents so right, to uh, right. set aside that property. So it's a successful model, but yes. I don't know if there's other limited equity housing other than what you're talking about through the land trust that you can envision implementing you know, we'll other parts of the city. We'll have to look into that. I'm not too familiar, but I do know that um, a lot of other organizations like the Kennedy, Kennedy Commission and Jamboree Housing have been partners with us as we build those affordable housing, especially the ones where we are building with wraparound services included. So, over the primary, the city spoke. It's admittedly was an advisory, non-binding measure, but the constituents spoke 63% affirming the original plans of the Veterans Cemetery. Right. Farrakhan, what's your position there? So, my only thing that I'm going to say right now is when 63% of voters vote on something and our leadership goes against it, are we really in a democracy? Doesn't the majority speak in a democracy? And if our leaders can't even do what the people want, why are they there? And do you have anything to say about the the alternative versus the original site that has been studied? Well, you know, the, the, the difference between what's going on right now is with the original site, um, I know that we had funding from the state Um, that was there for the cleanup. It was about $30 million. And I know we were in line to get federal funding. So it wasn't like the city was paying for everything. And what I'm hearing now is that now the city has to pay for everything. And that's not true. Why can't we reach out to our um, state legislators and ask them to revisit the cemetery and see what kind of funding we can get? 
So the options should be open and the communication should be open and transparency should be d there, making sure that we're doing what's right. Because at the end of the day, I ask, are we really doing this for the veterans or is there something else behind the scenes? Well, you, you can conjecture that. Oh, yeah. Well, so go ahead and do that on community radio. Definitely. Well, I just think it's a, it's a ping pong game between people that don't like each other and they, they've got a beef and um, the veterans are the ones that are serving, um, that are suffering at the end. Um, if we wanted to get this done, the means for it to get done are there. We just need the leadership and the vision to move forward. So I'm asking all the candidates to talk about th this sort of intangible and tangible aspect called, I call it, it's called social infrastructure. And it's been written about by Eric Klinenberg in his book, Palaces for the People. And he gives an example of the public library. It mm. serves both the a security measure in terms of a place for people to meet in a civil emergency. In our case, it would be maybe some earthquake. In uh, other cases, it's it's a real live situation in uh, you know hurricane evacuations and uh, a meeting gathering. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so there's the civil emergency side. There's the social communal side to that, where it gives people a place to meet. So, what would you do if you were to serve on the city council mm -hmm. to provide for social infrastructure? And uh, yeah. So basically, um, it's uh, a, what a gathering place for folks. Is that what you're thinking? Well, it, it's a yeah, it's a gathering for mm -hmm. for different reasons. Okay. So what what would you see that would build, and wh what would be your charter for falling behind the infrastructure, social infrastructure? So I mean, the measure? more the more open we are with our communities, um, the better our city will be run. Um, the more we're able to not expect people to find that um, meeting agenda and see what's going on, but provide it to them. Be out there, be within the communities, be in the different villages, hold these coffee meet and greets. I've been doing that during my campaign is I'm going to the different areas, sitting out at a coffee shop, letting people in the neighborhood know, hey, I'm here from this time to this time. Come out and talk to me. We as um, elected leaders should be doing the same. We should be holding these town halls and not the ones where we expect people to come to City Hall, but why aren't we going to where the people are? Why aren't we showing up at community centers? Why are we not showing up at the HO meet HOA meetings and really being one-on-one -on -one with the people that we serve to really hear their concerns? Because as I'm knocking on doors, I'm finding out, you know, you have these overlying issues of development and traffic, but each unique area has their own unique issues also. And sometimes they don't feel like they're being heard. So I'm asking everybody, and you're getting a jump on it now, is what are you learning when you're engaged with your prospective constituents on your sure. campaign so, trail. You know, everyone has issues with traffic, but sometimes it's neighborhoods like Cypress Village where they're complaining about people not stopping at stop signs and they're like, oh, can we get speed bumps in our streets? Um, so that's one issue that that community is facing. You know, you, as you go community to community, uh, there are different issues. You have communities where you have an older population and their, their transportation issues are growing. So they're like, what else can be done to make us more mobile? These are the type of things that I think local elected officials should be really putting their hands into and, and finding solutions for. Because this is what local office is meant for. It's for serving the people and helping them in their daily lives. So in the last week remaining in this campaign, what 
are some opportunities for people to engage with you, get to know you better? Well, if you're free today, I'm by the flagpoles where um, we have early voting center set up. Um, and I'm going to be here all day. So please stop by and see me, ask me questions, find out why it's so important to vote in local office. And um, besides that, you know, um, I'm very accessible. I have my phone number on my website. It's electfera.org. And um, I answer questions. People text me. They call me. I am there. And Farah, F-A-R-R-A-H. Thank you. Yes, Claudia. I'm, <laughs> my own spelling issues I've had run up here. So that, um, I don't know if you had any other sorts of pet topics in your campaign that my stock questions just don't cover. You know, uh, I think one of the things that I, when I'm talking to people, I do mention is it's about time we had leadership that came from the community and stood up for the community. And we haven't had that for a while now. And it's exactly that kind of leadership that we need. We need someone that's willing to work with others, to listen to others, and get the job done. No more photo ops, no more, you know, what is it, um, grandstanding at the city council meetings, but let's just do the job that needs to be done. Okay. Well, Farrah Khan, I want to thank you very much for coming to Ask a Leader today. Thank you for having me, Claudia. My guest was Farrah Khan. She is one of 12 Irvine City Council candidates running in the two open seats, and she is also the co-founder of First Drops, an interfaith organization, along with she's an executive director for the nonprofit Newport Mesa Irvine Interfaith Council. Thank you, everyone, for listening.